Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Show in which he also talks about some of the pain in his life. He shows the story about his relationship with his father. He is the youngest of ten. His father was a mean and violent drunk. Neil said that the best choice was just to simply stay out of the way. Neil says, you know, nobody wants a bad relationship with their parent or with their child. Neil grows up. He doesn't have much of a relationship with his father. His father gets sick, and everyone tells Neil, you need to go and make up with your dad or you will regret it. So he sits down, he writes an email to his father, and tells his father all the ways in which he had hurt him over the years. Months later, his dad reaches out to him and says, you know, what you said was pretty fair. And they begin to talk. They find out that they enjoy some of the same books, they have the same views on some things, and a relationship begins to bud. He's encouraged finally to go and see his father who is in a hospital room. And after leaving, his sister calls him and says, did you tell your dad that you did not want to be in the will? And Neil had said, Mel, many years ago, I had told my father he could take his money and shove it. Neil had chosen not to play the power games as his father played, who used money to reward and to punish. But his sister says he wants to put you back in the will. A lawyer is coming, and he is going to put you back in. Goes back, he visits his father. He says it was really difficult to show emotion or love to a man who had only shown meanness to him. He goes back to New York City, and he gets the phone call that his dad has died. He goes to the funeral, and several days later, he gets an email. And in the email, it said, the will. And he opens it up, he reads it, and he says, You know, to my son, Joe, he gets a tenth. And to my daughter, Abby, she gets a tenth. And goes down the list of all the children and it gets down to Neil. And it says, my son, Neil, gets nothing. Neil said it was not about getting money. He said, if my father was handing out a blanket, I would have wanted a blanket. That I wanted something, some sense that that I mattered. That some reason that I was loved. It said, it's not about that I was forgotten in the will. It was that I just needed something from my father. Brought to my question of what happens when we have these relationships that are so broken, where does the gospel come in? Harriet Brown, in a recent Washington Post article, writes about her decision to break relationship with her mother. She says, 10 years ago, after decades of bitter fights and lukewarm reconciliations, I finally got the courage to cut off my mother completely. Our relationship brought me nothing but nuclear-level angst. After even the smallest interaction, an email or a text message, I would have panic attacks that lasted weeks. I'd stop sleeping. 
I would eat too much. I'd fall into a wormhole into self-loathing. She says, deciding to estrange from my mother was not an easy decision for me, as for most people it took an exchange so toxic, so far outside the boundaries of what's acceptable, that something snapped inside of me. She says, my older daughter had been very sick with anorexia, and my mother emailed me to say that her illness was my fault, and I should be grateful she was telling me this, because it showed that she loved me. But Harriet says, I was done with her. Well-meaning family members tried to warn her that someday she would regret this. You only get one mother, they said. (coughs) What if she dies and you're still estranged? How will you feel? My mother died three years later after our official estrangement. And my only regret, she says, is I didn't do it earlier. Much, much earlier. The cultural narrative around estrangement is that it's a problem that needs to be solved. We see and feel the supremacy of the genetically concreted family in a thousand ways throughout our childhood. And by the time that we're adults, it goes without saying. So there are websites and books and articles that are meant to help families reconcile with advice from everything on how to word your apology to how to take legal action. And for some families, that helps. But for others, she says, that pressure to get back together makes everything worse. For us, estrangement is not a problem. It's a solution to the problem. A response to an otherwise unsolvable dilemma. It is the last resort. When you've tried everything over and over and over, when you are no longer trust the relationship, when, as Ann Lander says, you're better off without the other person in your life. But doesn't Jesus say, love your enemies, do good those to hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Those words taken alone have often been used to justify and excuse abuse, physical, mental, and sexual. A seminary classmate's mother was beaten nearly every day of her married life. A devoted Roman Catholic, she went to her priest begging for permission to divorce, but told that she had to forgive over and over and over again. Reconciliation is a gift from God. And is at the heart of Jesus' death and resurrection. St. Paul tells us that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, but reconciliation is a gift. It is not a law. The moment that reconciliation becomes law, it ceases to be grace. When it's something that we have to do, it is not something that we can offer. One of the things I appreciate about Scripture is the way that it deals with the deep human need for love and acceptance. Think about the story we heard today of Joseph, who was Jacob's favorite. Jacob had a father too, Isaac. Isaac had a favorite. It was not Jacob. Isaac's favorite was Esau. He showered blessings upon Esau that he did not give to Jacob. And Jacob just wanted a blanket from his father. Isaac is on his deathbed and Jacob, so desperate 
for some sense of love from his father that he lies and pretends to be his brother so that he can get a morsel of love from his father. Maybe you too have been in that place in which you so desperately want the love of another human being who will not give it to you. Maybe you've been in that place where you have tried over and over again to fix somebody who is so toxic, so dangerous, and so mean to you that you've come to the realization that you must either be crazy or you must get out. And I want to give a word of gospel to you today. We hear in the lesson in Luke's gospel when Jesus sends his disciples out two by two, he warns them that in choosing to be my disciple, you may break relationship with your family. Your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, you may be hated by them because of your love for me. And so for our desire to pick out single passages which seem to say that we must forgive over and over and over again to somebody who refuses to change, that maybe the thing that we need to do is have enough grace in our lives to just simply say it's okay to not be in relationship. Maybe it's enough that we can turn our trust over to Jesus and trust that Jesus will make right that which is broken in this lifetime. Maybe we have to realize that on the other end of this life that healing can happen. I don't know if you all have seen the movie The Shack. It's better than the book. But in the story, the father has a desperately broken relationship with his father. And in this otherworldly event that he has, he sees his father once again, and they reconcile in that moment, something they could never do in their own life, they were suddenly able to do in another life. Sometimes we have to be able to trust enough in Jesus' grace that the things that are broken in this life can be healed in another one. That sometimes it's okay to look out for ourselves and we do not have to endure abuse. But I also want to say this. If you are a person who has been estranged from your family because of things that you have done, you need a word of grace too. Sometimes you might have to realize that you aren't going to get the reconciliation that you desire, that the things that you have done in your past have piled up so many scars and hurts against another person that there is no fixing it. So what we can do is we can begin to build other relationships and families. It's something that church can do as a place of healing for those who have broken relationships in their own life. Jesus is announcing that the abused sons and daughters could find a new family in the church, a family of spirit and not of blood. That the church is a moment of grace to those who are broken in their own life or their family's life. I wish all of this was easy. I wish that we could just tie it up with a nice bow like Joseph did. But I don't always find that to be true. In May, I'm going up to New York City uh, for a, a conference, and I'm going to be there a day early. And um, my great-grandfather um, uh, was, was Jewish, and he declared my grandfather dead, said the prayers for the dead for him. 
And so I never knew or heard any stories about my great-grandfather, but through the miracle of um, um, uh, uh, family uh, trees, um, I found out where he's buried in New York. And I get to go. And I get to go and I sit in front of that, and, and I don't know what to expect from it. But what I know is that was a broken relationship that is not healed on this side of it. And each one of us has those hurts, and I just encourage you to turn them over to Jesus for healing because it's not something that you can fix yourself. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.